Section 3 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 6, Chapter 7 part three it was a universal law that torture should not endanger life or limb and although this was often disregarded when the work was under way it called for a certain amount of preliminary caution to see that the patient was in condition promising endurance caution admitted in theory but not always observed in practice when there was doubt the physician of the inquisition was sometimes called in as in the case of rodrigo perez at toledo in sixteen hundred who was sick and weak and the medical certificate that torture would endanger health and life sufficed to save him but the suprema was not so considerate when in sixteen thirty six it ordered the valencia tribunal to torture joseph Puhal before transferring him to the hospital as was done afterwards on account of his illness pregnancy has always been deemed a sufficient reason for at least postponing the infliction but the madrid tribunal in instructions of sixteen ninety only makes the concession of placing pregnant women on a seat in place of binding them on the rack while applying the exceedingly severe torture of the garrote sharp cords two on each arm and two on each leg bound around the limb and twisted with a short lever hernia was regarded at least in the earlier time as precluding torture and i have met with several cases in which it served to exempt the patient but in sixteen sixty two the official instructions of the suprema ordered that no exceptions be made on that account save the omission of the trampazo vigoroso which causes downward strain in the other tortures a good strong truss suffices to avert danger and it should always be kept on hand in readiness for such subjects in accordance with this the madrid tribunal in sixteen ninety orders for hernia cases the use of the seat provided for pregnant women as regards women who were suckling there seems to have been no established rule in fifteen seventy five when the valencia tribunal proposed to torture maria hilo the physician who was called in reported that it would expose the child to imminent risk and the purpose was abandoned in sixteen o eight however at toledo when the same question arose in the case of luisa de narvaez the consulta voted in discordia and the suprema ordered her to be tortured besides these generalities there were occasional special cases in which torture was abandoned in consequence of the condition of the patient heart disease excessive debility 
repeated faintings during the administration and other causes the physician and the surgeon were always called in when the prisoner was stripped to examine him and they were kept at hand to be summoned in case of accident the tribunal seemed to have been more tender-hearted than the suprema which in its instructions of sixteen sixty two reproved inquisitors who avoid sentencing to torture on account of weakness or of a broken arm this it says is not proper because it forfeits the opportunity of obtaining confession in the various preliminaries of reading the sentence carrying to the torture chamber stripping him and tying him to the trestle besides after commencing the torture is always to be stopped when the physician so orders there was another salutary precaution that there should be a proper interval between the last meal and the torture about fifteen sixty inquisitor cervantes says that the patient is not to have food or drink on the evening before or on the morning of the infliction and in seventeen twenty two a writer specifies eight hours for the preliminary fasting in the administration of torture all the inquisitors and the episcopal representative were required to be present with a notary or secretary to record the proceedings no one else save the executioner was allowed to be present except when the physician or surgeon was called in in the earlier period there was some trouble in providing an official to perform the repulsive work an effort seems to have been made to compel the minor employees to do it but with doubtful success ferdinand in a letter of july twenty two fourteen eighty six to torquemada complains that the inquisitors of saragossa had employed a torturer because the messengers had refused to do the work and he suggests that the messenger be discharged and the torturer serve in his place without increase of salary if this cannot be done the salary should be reduced no salaried torturer appears in the payrolls the duties were not constant and doubtless when wanted proper functionaries were called in and paid but there is suggestiveness in a letter of ferdinand in fourteen ninety eight ordering the restoration of a certain pedro de moros who had been dropped to serve as messenger and for such other duties as the inquisitors might order at five hundred sueldos a year at one time the alcaide of the prison seems to have been the official torturer for in fifteen thirty six the suprema writes to the inquisitors of navarre that if their alcaide is not skilled in the business they must find someone who is and not work the implements themselves as they seem to have done for it is not befitting the dignity of their persons or office in fifteen eighty seven at valencia we hear that the messenger and portero served as assistants and the suprema ordered the work to be entrusted to a confidential familiar eventually however the tribunals employed the public executioner of the town who was skilled in his vocation 
when in 1646 at valladolid isabel lopez was ordered to be tortured on november twenty third the alcaide reported that the public functionary was absent and the time of his return was uncertain the torture was necessarily postponed and on the twenty-seventh isabel took it into her head to confess and thus escaped the infliction in madrid from march to august sixteen eighty one alonso de alcala the city executioner was paid by the tribunal forty-four ducats for eleven torturings at four ducats apiece it seems strange that objection should be made to the torturer being disguised but in fifteen twenty four the suprema forbade him to wear a mask or to be wrapped in a sheet subsequently he was permitted to wear a hood and to change his garments and in the seventeenth century a mask and other disguise were permissible if it were thought best that he should not be recognized at every stage in the preliminaries after reading the sentence taking the prisoner down to the torture chamber calling in the executioner stripping the prisoner and tying him to the trestle there was a pause in which he was solemnly adjured to tell the truth for the love of god as the inquisitors did not desire to see him suffer the exposure of stripping was not a mere wanton aggravation but was necessary for the cords around the thighs and arms the belt at the waist with cords passing from it over the shoulders from front to back required access to every portion of the body and at the end of the torture there was little of the surface that had not had its due share of agony women as well as men were subjected to this the slight concession to decency being the zaragueyes or paños de la vergüenza a kind of abbreviated bathing trunks but the denudation seems to have been complete before these were put on the patient was admonished not to tell falsehoods about himself or others and during the torture the only words to be addressed to him were tell the truth no questions were to be put and no names mentioned to him for the reason as we are told that the sufferers in their agonies were ready to say anything that was in any way suggested and to bear false witness against themselves and others the executioner was not to speak to the patient or make faces at him or threaten him and the inquisitors should see that he so arranged the cords and other devices as not to cause permanent crippling or breaking of the bones the work was to proceed slowly with due intervals between each turn of the garrotes or hoist in the garucha or otherwise the effect was lost and the patient was apt to overcome the torture it was a universal rule that torture could be applied only once unless new evidence supervened which required purging but this restriction was easily evaded though torture could not be repeated it could be continued and when it was over the patient was told that the inquisitors were not satisfied but were obliged to suspend it for the present 
and that it would be resumed at another time if he did not tell the whole truth thus it could be repeated from time to time as often as the consulta de fe might deem expedient the secretary faithfully recorded all that passed even to the shrieks of the victim his despairing ejaculations and his piteous appeals for mercy or to be put to death nor would it be easy to conceive anything more fitted to excite the deepest compassion than these cold-blooded matter-of-fact reports as for the varieties of torture currently employed it must be borne in mind that the inquisition largely depended on the public executioners and its methods thus were necessarily identical with those of the secular courts while even when its own officials performed the duty they would naturally follow the customary routine the inquisition thus had no special refinements of torture and indeed so far as i have had opportunity of investigation it confined itself to a few methods out of the abundant repertory of the public functionaries in the earlier period only two tortures were generally in vogue the garucha or police and the water torture these are the only ones alluded to by pablo garcia and both of them were old and well-established forms the former known in italy as the strapado consisted in tying the patient's hands behind his back and then with a cord around his wrists hoisting him from the floor with or without weights to his feet keeping him suspended as long as was desired and perhaps occasionally letting him fall a short distance with a jerk about sixteen twenty a writer prescribes that the elevating movement should be slow for if it is rapid the pain is not lasting for a time the patient should be kept at tiptoe so that his feet scarce touch the floor when hoisted he should be held there while the sam miserere is thrice repeated slowly in silence and he is to be repeatedly admonished to tell the truth if this fail he is to be lowered one of the weights is to be attached to his feet and he is to be hoisted for the space of two misereres the process being repeated with increasing weights as often and as long as may be judged expedient the water torture was more complicated the patient was placed on an escalera or potro a kind of trestle with sharp-edged rungs across it like a ladder it slanted so that the head was lower than the feet and at the lower end was a depression in which the head sank while an iron band around the forehead or throat kept it immovable sharp cords called cordeles which cut into the flesh attached the arms and legs to the side of the trestle and others known as garotes from sticks thrust in them and twisted around like a tourniquet till the cords cut more or less deeply into the flesh were twined around the upper and lower arms the thighs and the calves a bostezo or iron prong distended the mouth a toca or strip of linen was thrust down the throat to conduct water trickling slowly from a jara or jar 
holding usually a little more than a quart the patient strangled and gasped and suffocated and at intervals the toka was withdrawn and he was adjured to tell the truth the severity of the infliction was measured by the number of jars consumed sometimes reaching to six or eight in fourteen ninety in the case of the priest diego garcia a single quart satisfied the inquisitors and he was acquitted in the mexican case of manuel diaz in fifteen ninety six the cordeles were applied then seven garrotes were twisted around arms and legs the toca was thrust down his throat and twelve jaras of a pint each were allowed to drip through it the toca being drawn up four times during the operation in the toledo case of marie rodriguez in fifteen ninety two the operation was divided the cordeles being applied while she was seated on the banquillo and were given eight turns she was then transferred to the trestle and the garrotes were used followed by the water at the second jara she vomited profusely she was untied and fell to the floor the executioner lifted her up and put on her chemise she was told that if she would not tell the truth the torture would be continued she protested that she had told the truth and it was suspended for nine months she was left in her cell then the consulta de fe voted to suspend the case and she was told to be gone in god's name it was probably not long after this that these forms of torture gradually fell into disuse and were replaced by others which apparently were regarded as more merciful in sixteen forty six the suprema applied to the tribunal of cordova for information concerning the garucha and silla and for a description of the trampa and trampazo which it used with an estimate of their severity the tribunal replied that the silla had been abandoned because it could scarce be called a torture and the garucha on account of the danger of causing dislocations for more than thirty years the tribunal as well as the secular courts had discontinued its use as also the brazier of coals heated plates of metal hot bricks the toca with seven pints of water the depinoncillo escarabajo tablillas sueño and others the methods in use were the cordeles and garrotes of which there were three kinds the vuelta de trampa the mancuerda and stretching the accused in the potro or rack the letter proceeds to describe at great length and in much detail these somewhat complicated processes in abandoning the pulleys and the water jar the patient gained little he was adjusted for torment by a belt or girdle with which he was swung from the ground his arms were tied together across his breast and were attached by cords to rings in the wall for the trampa or trampazo the ladder in the potro had one of its rungs removed so as to enable the legs to pass through another bar with a sharp edge was set below it and through this narrow opening 
the legs were forcibly pulled by means of a cord fastened around the toes with a turn around the ankle each vuelta or turn given to the cord gained about three inches five vueltas were reckoned a most rigorous torture and three were the ordinary practice even with the most robust leaving him stretched in this position the next step was the mancuerda in which a cord was passed around the arms which the executioner wound around himself and threw himself backward casting his whole weight and pushing with his foot against the potro the cord we are told would cut through skin and muscle to the bone while the body of the patient was stretched as in a rack between it and the cords at the feet the belt or girdle at the waist subjected to these alternate forces was forced back and forth and contributed further to the suffering this was repeated six or eight times with the mancuerda on different parts of the arms and the patients usually fainted especially if they were women after this the potro came in play the patient was released from the trampa and mancuerda and placed on the eleven sharp rungs of the potro his ankles rigidly tied to the sides and his head sinking into a depression where it was held immovable by a cord across the forehead the belt was loosened so that it would slip around three cords were passed around each upper arm the ends being carried into rings on the sides of the potro and furnished with garrotes or sticks to twist them tight two similar ones were put on each thigh and one on each calf making twelve in all the ends were carried to a maestra garrote by which the executioner could control all at once this worked not only by compression but by travelling around the limbs carrying away skin and flesh each half round was reckoned a vuelta or turn six or seven of which was the maximum but it was usual not to exceed five even with strong men formerly the same was done with the cord around the forehead but this was abandoned as it was apt to start the eyes from their sockets all this the cordova tribunal concludes is very violent but it is less so and less dangerous than the abandoned methods this remained practically the tortures in use in sixteen sixty two the suprema in ordering the tribunal of galicia to continue the torture of antonio mendez called upon it to report as to its manner of administering torture its answer of may thirteenth shows that it was using the mancuerda and potro though after a somewhat primitive fashion to this by order of the suprema gonzalo bravo replied may twenty second with elaborate instructions especially as to the trampazo indicating that substantially the methods described by cordova were recognized officially 
galicia appears to have puzzled over this until september nineteenth when it apologized for its lack of experience and asked for detailed plans and drawings of the form of potro required it is fairly presumable from all this that thenceforward these new methods were adopted in all the tribunals end of section three recording by shenna ser fresno california